Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP-LP 106.5 FM Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 325. Today's topic is cattle and climate. So let's start with an article from the Wall Street Journal on February 12th by Katie Stetch Ferrick. It says, in a clampdown on U.S. methane emissions, belching cattle get a pass. So the headline is, Livestock is a major source of greenhouse gas, but agriculture doesn't get the same tough treatment as the energy industry. So the subplot going on here is that methane is an issue. Methane is a greenhouse gas that has you know, many times the potency of carbon dioxide, although it does you know, decay into carbon dioxide after a few decades, but during a period of time, it's much more potent than, uh, car- than carbon dioxide. So some methane comes from the fossil fuel industry, some methane comes from livestock, and so you have this football game going back between the energy industry and the cattle industry. The fossil fuel industry is more powerful, so I think that they win the propaganda battle. But one question is, are, are we dealing, is this the question, is this the conversation we should be having? You know, is this, is this the conversation that we should be having, or is this a distraction from the conversation that we really need to be having? So the article says, Beef and dairy cattle, along with pigs and other farm animals, contribute roughly 27% of methane emissions in the U.S., according to the EPA. Most of that comes from their belching. Livestock manure accounts for an additional 10% of methane emissions, according to the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. That puts agriculture on par with the energy industry and methane emissions, with natural gas and petroleum generating 30% and coal mining 10%. So I'm going to go out on a limb and ask the question, are we having a conversation that should concern the general public, or are we just having a conversation that concerns the Wall Street Journal readers? Or... Are we having a conversation that addresses the concerns of the Wall Street Journal sponsors? Because that's how commercial media works. The sponsors control the narrative. Whoever owns the media and whoever sponsors the media controls the narrative. And the narrative being advanced in this article is that to be responsible in addressing climate change, we have to be fair to the respective industries that are contributing to climate change. Because... They're all just doing the best they can. Big business is doing the best they can with scarce resources. So the article says, methane from manure and digestion has grown 19.3% since 1990, mostly because more farmers are mixing manure with liquid for disposal. Emissions from oil and gas, which face new regulations, estimated to cost producers $1.5 billion by 2026, have fallen 17%, according to the EPA. So this is obviously an article that is pro-energy and against, it's wanting to shift the blame from energy, fossil fuels, to cattle. But what are they missing? What is this article missing? One question is, what are the root causes of these issues? Are we frittering around the edges, or are we really getting to the root causes? 
Maybe, just maybe, the root causes include who gets to make the big decisions and whether they get to, or whether they are making the big decisions for themselves or for us. Another thing they're missing is, are we going to talk endlessly about the symptoms only to find ourselves 10 years down the road, only to discover that we're no longer closer, we're no closer to solving the actual problems. Are we going to talk for 10 years about symptoms and not the actual problems, or are we going to get to the actual problems? And a question I would ask you is, can we solve problems if we're not talking about the real problems or the root causes? I submit to you that the real problems are who is making the real decisions and who gets to control the narrative. Because power is when you control what happens. Absolute power is when you control what people think about what happens. So one thing that they want you to think about what happens is that it's all the consumer's fault. The consumer is just, you know, it's consumer demand. It's consumer demand for all these fossil fuels. It's consumer demand for all this meat. And they're going to talk about that endlessly, but they're not going to talk about who gets to make the decisions about what kind of transportation system we have. Who gets to make the decisions about what kind of food system we have. And if we got the information that we need to make those decisions, we would know something like this. We would know cattle could be a way to sequester carbon. So cattle, the grazing of cattle, the proper rotation of cattle in biologically diverse farms could be a way to store carbon in the ground. The concentrated animal feeding operations that we have are not inevitable. They are a result of subsidized fossil fuels. They are a result of monopoly power. They are a result of monopolies within the food system where we don't, we, you know, you go to the grocery and you can get organic, you know, there, it looks like there are a lot of choices, but they're not really, cho there's not really a choice, uh, an easy choice, an economical choice to get food from farms that we would be proud of if we knew how they treated the animals or if we knew how they're doing environmentally. But we could, so, so the reality right now is that most beef is raised in concentrated animal feeding operations. They bring in the, they have lots and lots of animals in one place. The animals don't live a good life. You bring the food from far away. So you have to have a lot of fossil fuels to bring in the food from far away. You have all this waste that is concentrated in, in one place, and there is not an economical way to deal with all the waste that is generated from concentrated animal feeding operations. And you have lots of air pollution, water pollution, and disease uh, that the CAFO workers, the meatpacking workers, the Workers that work in the CAFOs are exposed to disease, the communities are exposed to disease, etc. But what we could have is we could have most beef and other livestock being raised in biologically diverse farms. Yeah, animal waste could be a resource because that's how nature works. Waste is always a resource. Animal waste in nature is a resource. Excess water in nature is a resource. 
animal waste could be used to make the grasses grow. And then the cattle get to eat the grasses. This requires holistic management, which is this decision-making process pioneered by Alan Savory. And it requires that the cattle be rotated according to a sensible schedule based on all relevant factors. And then when you do that, when you have the animal waste that is actually strategically fertilizing the grass, then you optimize the growth, the growth of the grass and the forbs and the broadleaf plant species that the cattle are foraging on. You optimize the growth and then that those plants are taking carbon out of the air and putting it through their roots into the ground because that's what plants do. Plants take carbon dioxide from the air and they put carbon into the ground. When they put carbon into the ground, then the ground, the soil, the living soil, becomes a resource that's good for plant growth, it's good for water cycles, it's good for the nutrition, because you can't have good nutrition if you have dead soil, and yet most of the food we get originates from soil that is relatively dead. So that's what we have. We have a major choice to be made between whether as a society we are going to subsidize concentrated animal feeding operations, which are bad for animals, bad for consumers, bad for the water, bad for the air, bad for the health of the people who have to work and live in the neighborhood of a concentrated animal feeding operation, or we could choose to subsidize or at least not suppress biologically diverse farms. So what has the Biden administration decided to do? The, according to the article in the Wall Street Journal, the Biden administration said it would spend more money to research cattle diets and expand gas capturing manure disposal systems for farmers to voluntarily reduce methane emissions. After supporting more than $200 million in such projects last year. So what the Biden administration is doing, and it could, could have been any administration, Republican or Democrat, because they're all owned by big business, but they've decided to subsidize big business for one thing, because when you have gas capturing manure disposal systems, you are subsidizing big business. You're making it cheaper for big business to do their work, uh, for these big agriculture uh, enterprises to do their work, all the while pretending that the only thing we need to be concerned about is greenhouse gases. That's the problem when you give the impression that climate is all about carbon and climate is all about greenhouse gases. But climate is not all about carbon and climate is not all about greenhouse gases. Carbon is only part of the picture. Greenhouse gases are only part of the picture. Methane is only part of the picture. But what this article is doing and what the Biden administration is doing is perpetuating this mythology that says if we just deal with carbon, we'll be in good shape. If we just deal with greenhouse gases, then we'll be in good shape. So we, the taxpayers, to the tune of $200 million, are subsidizing methane digesters. Because when you take any organic material and you put it in a tank and you deprive it of ox oxygen, it tends to produce methane. 
that, you know, take an organic material and deprive it of oxygen, that means you're in an anaerobic environment. You're, be, you're depriving the organic material of, of oxygen, which is what happens if it's, you know, underwater, that kind of thing. So this tends to emit methane. So methane is a fuel. So, hey, let's use this fuel. And let's give concentrated animal feeding operations a revenue stream. But this is an all too familiar theme where taxpayers are being asked to spend money cleaning up the messes of big business and paving the way for big business to continue to make profits. You could say we're socializing the costs of doing business while privatizing the profits. Besides, taking cow manure and turning it into uh, energy, making it sound like renewable energy, it gets good press. So here's a report from Stanford that says, cow manure as energy not only interests dairy farmers, but the idea all has also interested car company Toyota. The company has plans to build a power plant that turns methane from cow manure into hydrogen and power for electricity. The hydrogen in particular could be used to fuel Toyota's fuel cell hydrogen cars. The plant will also produce enough power to sustain over 2,000 homes and fuel for 1,500 cars. Using methane gas from cow manure is a cleaner alternative to gasoline-powered cars and natural gas to heat homes. While untraditional, this method of energy production has lots of potential. So again, we're getting good press for this, but the devil is in the details. How much carbon is being used to make the cars that run on the methane? How much carbon is being used for the methane digesters that run off the cow manure? And are we putting a band-aid on an open wound? Are we going to focus solely on carbon and solely on greenhouse gases and ignore the other issues that come into play with concentrated animal feeding operations? And are we going to ignore the fact that all these decisions are being made by big business? And is this conversation a distraction from the conversation we need to be having? What if CAFOs, concentrated animal feeding operations, under any circumstances are going to be a gigantic mess. What if CAFOs are going to be a gigantic mess from the standpoint of climate, from the standpoint of environmental pollution, from the standpoint of food quality, from the standpoint of food prices, or the welfare of workers, or the welfare of farmers, or the welfare of the surrounding community? If you're just joining me, this is the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMPLP 106.5 FM, Louisville. So let's dig a little bit deeper into CAFOs, concentrated animal feeding operations. And why are we doing this? Because most conversations that you hear about cattle, about livestock, about cow farts, about you know, the need for a plant-based diet, or the, the ills of animal agriculture, they're on one extreme or the other. One extreme is let's put a Band-Aid on an open wound. You can't hold back the tide. People are going to eat meat, yada, yada. On the other hand, you say, we have to get rid of this altogether. But what, are, what they're ignoring 
is it's not the cow, it's the how. It's not the very fact, the mere fact of eating meat. It's not the mere fact of having livestock. It is how you do it. So let's look at the bad news first, the, you know, CAFOs such as they really are. So this is from a, a report from the CDC, Centers for Disease Control. The report is called Understanding Concentrated Environmental Health excuse me, understanding concentrated animal feeding operations and their impact on communities. So it says the benefits of CAFOs. When properly managed, located, and monitored, CAFOs can provide a low-cost source of meat, milk, and eggs due to efficient feeding and housing of animals, increased facility size, facility size and animal specialization. When, CAFO, when CAFOs are proposed in a local area, it is usually argued that they will enhance the local economy and increase employment. The effects of using local materials, feed, and livestock are argued to ripple throughout the economy and increased tax expenditures will lead to increased funds for schools and infrastructure. At least that's the story that they tell you. What they don't tell you is that low cost also means low quality in terms of nutrition and health, and the animals in concentrated feeding concentrated animal feeding operations are the ones that have been pumped with the most chemicals, including antibiotics, including, you know, vaccines and dewormers. And, you know, there are farmers that do away with all that and they have healthier animals. But let's get on with the main part of this report. Uh, CAFO manure contains a variety of potential contaminants. So these are the problems associated with CAFOs. The manure contains a variety of potential contaminants. It contains plant nutrients such as nitrogen and phosphorus, pathogens such as E. coli, growth hormones, antibiotics, chemicals used as additives to the manure or to clean equipment, animal blood, silage, leachate from corn feed, or copper sulfate used in foot baths for cows. Large farms can produce more waste than some U.S. cities. A feeding operation with 800,000 pigs could produce over 1.6 million tons of waste a year. That amount is one and a half times more than the annual sanitary waste produced by the city of Philadelphia, according to the GAO, Government Accountability Office, in 2008. So these operations pr produce huge amounts of manure. Now, what we could do is have smaller farms that are more biologically diverse. They raise healthier animals and make for better, more nutritious, tastier food. The animals live a better life. So we could be subsidizing that or at least get out of the way and let a competitive, freer market uh, provide competition so that people could choose to buy tastier, healthier food with better treatment of the animals and better impact on the environment. We could be doing that, but we, the people, are not making the decisions, are we? Another impact that CAFOs have is on water quality. Groundwater can be, reading from the report, groundwater can be contaminated by CAFOs through runoff from land application of manure, leaching from manure, that has been improperly spread on the land 
or through leaks or breaks in storage or contamination units. In other words, they have to find ways to deal with huge amounts of manure. It says here, when groundwater is contaminated by pathogenic organisms, a serious threat to drinking water can occur. So if you live in the neighborhood of a CAFO, for one thing, you had little or no say as to whether you were going to live in the neighborhood of a CAFO. They move in and you've got pathogenic organisms in your drinking water. And of course, it's up to the municipality that you pay taxes to, to clean up the mess that big business has created. It's, uh, another issue with water quality is that when groundwater is contaminated by pathogenic organisms, well, I've already said that. If a CAFO has contaminated a water system, community members should be concerned about nitrates and nitrate poisoning. And it says here that the agricultural sector, including CAFOs, is the leading contributor of pollutants to lakes, rivers, and reservoirs. So that it is that way now, it need not be that way. It is that way because that's what we subsidize. We subsidize it as taxpayers and then most consumers don't see a real choice. You have to go way out of your way to get food that is grown in circumstances that are natural, that are humane, and that produce nutritional food. So CAFOs are a disaster. I haven't even given you 1% of the information that is in this report. But let me give you just a little more. Uh, typical the reading from the CDC report, Understanding Concentrated Animal Feeding Operations. Typical pollutants found in the air surrounding CAFOs. One is ammonia. Of course, urine has ammonia in it, and that's not a problem if you're, if you're an animal that's incorporated into an ecosystem, which farms can be incorporated into ecosystems. That's what regenerative agriculture is, and there are a lot of farms right here in Kentucky where the animals are incorporated into ecosystems. But if you're not incorporated into an ecosystem, then you have huge amounts of extraction to get the food and huge amounts of waste to deal with. Most of that waste becomes pollution. Among the pollution is ammonia, which is a respiratory irritant. Chemical burn, it can cause chemical burns to the respiratory tract, skin and eyes, severe cough and chronic lung disease. Another CAFO admission, emission is hydrogen sulfide. Inflammation of the moist membranes, it causes inflammation of the moist membranes of the eye and respiratory tract, olfactory neuron, uh, uh, neuron loss, and it can even cause death in sufficient concentrations. You have particulate matter gets into the air surrounding CAFOs. Uh, it, can get in, it, it can come from the feed, from the bedding materials, from dry manure, unpaved soil surfaces, animal dander, and poultry feathers. It's, it's comprised of fecal matter, feed materials, pollen, bacteria, fungi, skin cells, and silicates. And it can cause chronic bronchitis, chronic respiratory symptoms, declines in lung function, and organic dust toxic syndrome. Another thing about concentrated animal feeding operations in Table 2 of this document from the CDC called Understanding Concentrated 
animal feeding operations and their impact on the environment and health of communities. It selected pathogens found in animal manure. Now, I don't want to make you think that these, that animal manure itself is a bad thing. It's a bad thing if it's in sufficient concentrations. It's a bad thing if it's not in an ecosystem. But, you know, if you have cattle together with pigs, together with chickens, possibly sheep, possibly turkeys, then pathogens get confused. And, you know, the chickens tend to process the cow waste and the pigs tend to root around and process the cow waste. There are farms that have the chickens, the pigs, and the cattle all together, and it tends to be great. It tends to be less work for the farmer, and it tends to be good for the health of all three animals. Because, you know, a pathogen is going to thrive in an area where you have cattle as far as the eye can see. That's why they have to medicate these animals so much, because the pathogen gets into one cow, and then here's a thousand other cows it can get into. Pathogens love that. But if you have cattle, pigs, chickens, maybe you have some rabbits, turkeys, sheep, then pathogens get confused and they don't go anywhere. But if you have a concentrated animal feeding operation, according to the Centers for Disease Control, it, uh, the, the animal manure can carry diseases such as anthrax, such as E. coli, uh, leptospirosis, listerosis, salmonella, tetanus, histoplasmosis, ringworm. So, uh, you know, and, and these cause all kinds of bad symptoms, skin sores, headache, fever, chills, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal gas, abdominal pain. You know, if you contract the diseases that are associated with these pathogens, you're going to be more likely to contract diseases associated with pathogens if the pathogens are, have a sufficient concentration. But you're not going to have that, or you're going to have it a lot less in a farm that is biologically diverse, where you have multiple kinds of livestock, and you have multiple plants, and you have wildlife getting into the action, and they're gonna, it, it's gonna tend to suppress the pathogens, and it's gonna cause a cycling of the nutrients, cycling of carbon, cycling of nitrogen, cycling of potassium, and so many other nutrients. Nutrients that the animals don't get if they're in a concentrated animal feeding operation, if you have chickens eating nothing but seed corn their entire life, that's only so nutritious. And the eggs or the chicken meat that you get from that, can, it can't be any more nutritious than what the animal is eating. You are what you eat, and you are what you eat eats. So we've got about another minute left. I'm going to wrap it up. So how did we get from concentrated animal feeding operations, how do we get to here from an article from the Wall Street Journal that's talking about methane from energy and methane from the animal agriculture or methane from cattle? It's because we in a democracy, if we indeed have a democracy, we in a democracy and as consumers need to make decisions based on the proper information. We need to understand that these commercial media outlets are not giving us the information that we need. They're talking about these issues out of context in a way that suits the owners of the Wall Street Journal and the sponsors of the Wall Street Journal. 
they're going to make you think that the main problem to be solved with animal agriculture or with cattle is they're burping out too much methane. When there are myriad problems with animal agriculture, such as it is currently practiced on a large scale, there are myriad problems with concentrated animal feeding operations, and there are myriad problems with who gets to make these decisions. Are these decisions going to be made by we the people, or are they going to be made by they big business? Are they going to be made by and for the people, or are they going to be made by and for big business? This has been the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP LP 106.5 FM, Louisville. Thank you for joining me and have a nice day.